Uh, four kinds of Christmas, we wrap it up today. All these four kinds of Christmas are a response to darkness in the world and darkness in our own lives. Uh, darkness is a real thing. Old Testament prophet Isaiah, thinking about Jesus' birth, said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. The people who live in a land of deep darkness, on them a light will shine. So what kind of Christmas we have is really depends on how we respond to the darkness in the world around us and the darkness that we, for honest, is part of our own lives. We can have a Scrooge Christmas. And Scrooge Christmas happens when we just say, well, there's darkness in the world. I might as well just get used to it. Darkness always wins. I'm not, I'm not going to expect things to turn out well. I'm just going to grit my teeth, put my head down, and trudge through life. Bah! Nothing good is ever going to happen. We'll always just be disappointed. That's a Scrooge Christmas. Darkness just wins. We just give up. And the problem with the Scrooge Christmas is that there's no hope. None at all. And that's a problem because you and I actually need hope to live. So Scrooge Christmas, is, it's not going to, it won't work for us. Second is a shopper Christmas. It's kind of the all-American way to do Christmas. It's when we decide that we need distraction from the darkness. The darkness is out there in the world. It's in our community. It's in our lives. But we just want to be distracted. And we know that if we go shopping and buy new stuff, we are distracted from the darkness in the world and we, we focus on this new stuff. And for a brief period of time, we feel good. We shop and buy stuff to escape. And when we can't buy anymore because we ran out of money, we make a list of the next things that we need to buy. That's a shopper Christmas, shop to escape the darkness. The problem is, with the shopper Christmas is, is that the high we experience from all the new stuff, it fades. And then the darkness is still there. It didn't really help. Santa Christmas, we talked about last Sunday. It happens when we just want to pretend everything is fine. I mean, we know there's darkness in the world. We know there's even darkness in us. But we just want to pretend it's not there. It's Christmas. Everything's great. Everyone is doing well. Everything's fine. Well, the problem with the Santa Christmas is everything is not great. And everyone is not doing fine. And sooner or later, we wake up from this sleep of pretending. And the darkness is still there in the world and even in us. So today, we're going to talk about the stable Christmas, the stable in which Jesus was born. And the stable Christmas does some interesting things. It admits darkness is real, but it says darkness will not win. A stable Christmas does not need to be distracted from darkness with new stuff. It doesn't have to pretend everything is great and everyone's fine. A stable Christmas knows that there is darkness in the world, there's darkness in our lives, and in a stable Christmas, God sends His Son to show up to help us with the darkness, to bring light, to bring light. So here it is. And while they were there, that's Joseph and Mary, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That's a stable Christmas. God in Christ enters our world born as a baby. God in Christ entering the world to bring light that we desperately need. So Christmas isn't about giving into the darkness. It's not about distracting ourselves from the reality of the darkness. It's not about pretending there is no darkness. Christmas is celebrating that God in Christ came into this dark world 
to bring light that we desperately need. And in Christ, the light shines and the darkness does not win. It's quite a story. The powerful creator of all things stoops to become this powerless, helpless baby cared for by first-time parents. God, in whom there is no darkness, enters the darkness of this world, and as he does, the light just shines. Forgiveness, hope, truth, the light shines. God in Christ is born into our human family. You could say God in Christ became our brother to walk with us through this life. Christmas is all about God, our creator, proving that his love for us is faithful and true and trustworthy. So how do you know if someone loves you? How do you know? I mean, love is not just spoken or talked about, and that's one level of communicating love, but we know love has to be shown. It has to be proved by actions, backed up. So I love Terry, so I proved it by asking her to marry me. And I've sought to prove my love by being faithful in my love and care for her for the past 41 years, because love is proved by action. I love my kids, Josh and Sarah. When they were little kids, I showed I loved them by giving them hugs and carrying them around the house and having them on my lap and reading books and stories. Um, I proved my love for them by providing for them, by taking an interest in the things that they were interested in as kids, driving them around to their activities in middle school, and I even loved them enough to trust them to drive a car when they got into high school. Love is proved by actions. I love my grandkids. And I prove my love for them by driving 14 hours in one day to Michigan three or four times a year so I can see them face to face, hug them, put them on my lap, find out what's going on, enjoy them. And we love our neighbors, so when one's home recovering from surgery, they get a meal from us. Love is proved by actions. And I and the other members of here, staff here at Cornerstone, we love you as a church family, so we seek to use whatever gifts God's given us to benefit you we want God's best for you, and we seek to do that uh, it was, and lead you in that direction. Christmas is all about answering this question, how do we know if God, our creator, loves us? Well, when someone loves you, they bear the cost to draw near, gladly. So if I have to drive 14 hours to meet somebody I don't know, don't really care about, and think they'll have no impact on my life, I'm going to complain every single minute of that 14-hour drive. But when my wife and I drive 14 hours to Michigan to see our kids and grandkids, no complaining. None at all. Glad to make the trip. I get to be with them. Gladly bear the cost. When someone loves you, they gladly bear the cost to come close to you. They do not complain. Glad to pay whatever the price. That's what a stable Christmas is all about. God in Christ gladly pays the price to draw near and enter our world as a newborn. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to talk about it this way when he wrote to the New Testament church in Philippi. Paul wrote, Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That is a high price to pay for entering our world to save us. Give up your privileges as God. Be born as a vulnerable, fragile human being 
and then fulfill the God, the Father's plan through this sacrificial crucifixion death? High price. Jesus did it gladly. No complaining. He wants to come close. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all people. Gladly paid the price. And then, of course, when someone loves you, they just show up. It's that simple. If someone doesn't show up, they don't love you. If they show up, it's a sign. They care. Both of our kids after high school attended a college outside of, well, actually in the city limits of Chicago. And after they graduated from college, they got their first jobs in the city of Chicago and lived there for a while working before they moved on in life. Uh, at that time, we lived in Little Falls, Minnesota. And when they were in college, it was great. We saw them at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, sometimes at Easter. We saw them over the summertime when they're home working. But once they graduated from college, things changed, got their first jobs, don't have all that free time anymore. You have a limited amount of vacation. So we still got to see them, but less often. And then something unexpected happened. One of our kids entered a time of darkness, actually deep darkness. They had a number of frustrations and disappointments that just hit them hard one after the other. Bang, bang, bang. And they're trying to figure out life. And as they're trying to figure that out with all these disappointments and frustrations, there was a lot more confusion than there was clarity about their life. And they, so they stopped answering their phone. Period. Can't get through. And then after a period of time, we started getting phone calls. Mom and Dad, from collection agencies about our child's unpaid bills. That had never happened before. And this went on for week after week after week after week, and finally I said to my wife, Terry, I said, I'm going to drive down to Chicago, I got a couple days, and I'm going to talk to our child, find out what's going on, and help them figure things out. I was not angry with them. I was not mad at them. I had no interest in judging them. I loved them. So I got in my car, drove the eight hours to Chicago, showed up at their front door unexpectedly. And when our child opened the door, there's this kind of look of shock and surprise for just a moment. But I reached in and gave them this big, long, sweet hug to let them know that I showed up to help them work through this dark time in their life. I love them, so I showed up. This is the stable Christmas story. Jesus proved his love for us by showing up in our world. John wrote it this way. So the word Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. So Jesus proved his love for us by showing up in our world, at our front door, knocking, asking to be let in. And when we open the door, he offers this big, long, sweet hug to reassure us that he comes full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's what Christmas is about. God shows up. This is also what our Christmas Eve offering is about, proving to people that they are loved by Jesus. It must be proved. And so we're going to shine some light into the darkness that they're experiencing in their lives. So just a reminder, as you get ready for Christmas Eve, 45% will go to seed money for a pregnancy resource center here in Watertown. Because here's the question. What does it look like to prove Jesus' love for a woman who finds themselves unexpectedly pregnant. What does that love look like, and can we be a part of that? This is a, a story in video form. Uh, Haley, real person, she plays herself. 
this is a story of how the Pregnancy Resource Center in Brookings, called Option One, showed up for her and helped her find her future. Me and a couple of my friends were just goofing around and I took a pregnancy test and I didn't think nothing of it. I went back to my room, we were all hanging out and we we're like, okay, it's time, let's go look at it. And I flipped the test over and it was positive. It was unexpected to say the least. I was 15 years old when I found out I was pregnant. And when I took a test, I wasn't even, didn't even think I was pregnant. We were like, let's just take them, you know, see why not. We're like, okay, you know, cause we were all young girls. We didn't have regular menstrual cycles, you know, nothing was normal. And I thought that it was a joke. I was like, okay, all right, nope. Like, who's playing a trick on me? Like, who switched the tests? And my friends were like, we didn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. I looked up um, Planned Parenthood, and then the first thing that popped up was option one. And I was like, okay, us girls decided in the morning we're gonna go in and see if they can take a test to prove or if it was a joke, because I was still convinced that it was a joke. So the next morning, we snuck out of the house and we came to Brookings and walked into option one and I was scared. So I met Haley in December over Christmas break. And when I first saw her, she just had that look of burden on her face. She just looked scared and overwhelmed. Honestly, I had knew no clue what to expect. I was like, you know, I would walk in and I'd probably be shamed or felt embarrassed. And that was the complete opposite. I kind of asked her what her situation was. What, what, why is she here? And she informed me that she had taken two pregnancy tests at home. And I was like, I think I'm pregnant. And the girls there said, okay. That's, that's what we're here for. We're gonna get you some answers and we're gonna get you some help. You know, it's okay, like, let's take a test, you know, to confirm it, let's see. So the next question was, if your pregnancy test comes back positive, what are, you, what are you thinking you're gonna do about it? And she looked at me straight in the eyes and I remember our eye contact and how it, it was so courageous of her. She looked at me right in my eyes and she said, well, I don't believe in abortion, so I guess I'm gonna be a mom. And she said it just like that. And it was this apprehensive, but bold statement all at the same time. She was so sure, but she was so scared all at the same time. And I just be remember being so in awe of a 15 year old girl making that stand on her own. From there on, we just sat down and we talked. I told her what happened and how I got to that point. And my life kind of changed forever at that point. I was very unsure of what to do. I knew I had three options. That, that was what I had to choose. It was those three options and that was gonna change the rest of my life. And that was very scary to think about when I was 15 because before then, I didn't even know what I was gonna do the next weekend. I did not think about what 
the rest of my life was gonna look like. And so coming up with those three options, option one definitely helped me look and understand and feel accepted for choosing whatever option I wanted to. This year at option one, we've moved into a new method. We call it the focus method. We know that when women come to us, they're specifically looking for pregnancy options. Most of the time, they're looking for abortion information. So that's what we want to give them. Focus gives us a very timely and structured way to meet those demands for her. Um, she came to us with a very specific need and we want to be respectful of her. We want to meet that need for her. So when she comes in, she sits with an advocate, we fill out some paperwork, and then we do lay out all three of her options for her. Parenting, adoption, and abortion, because those are her three options and that's we want to be true and honest with her. Once um, she's done with that, then she'll come in and she'll do a pregnancy test with one of our nurses. And then if the nurse deems it ap appropriate, she will go and move into an ultrasound where we will be able to determine the viability of her pregnancy as well as gestational age. That gives us more information on how to specifically talk to her about risks and procedures if she were to go on and, and end up getting an abortion. And seeing that, I mean, and always wanting to be a mom, that kind of persuade the abortion aspect of it out. I knew I couldn't go through that. I. I knew I could do this. So I left it up to being whether or not I kept the baby or put the baby up for adoption. So she and I, after we had a little conversation, we, we went and did her pregnancy test and sure enough, it came back positive. So we, we looked at her options as far as how are we gonna tell the people in her life and what do we think that their responses are gonna be? Because I wanted to empower her. The hardest part is, one of the hardest parts about being unexpectedly pregnant is telling someone that you're unexpectedly pregnant. And she told me that the person that she was the most apprehensive to tell was her dad. I was worried for my dad. And I asked her why, and she said, well, because he's going to be just so mad at me. I'm his baby girl. I'm his only daughter. So I knew that that was probably going to break his heart. And I said, Haley, I said, I don't think he might, he might seem mad, but I think deep down that anger is really just, he's feeling overwhelmed too. Um, but I think with time, I think he'll come around. And so you're doing the right thing. It took me a while. Um, when I told my dad, he was really upset. He left the room and he took a while to process everything. And that right there scared me into thinking, okay, Maybe I put this baby up for adoption and then I can go back on to living a normal teenage life. On the outside, we see Haley as this confident 15 year old who found herself in an unplanned pregnancy. And she said with confidence, well, I'm guessing I'm gonna be a mom. But there was in that tone, that underlying kind of like, oh my goodness, what is actually happening to me? And, and we know that no matter what a woman says, no matter how um, for life she is when she's in here. The reality is that let's say that Haley would have had that conversation with her dad and he would have been just absolutely pressuring her and pressuring her and pressuring her and pressuring her to abort. The reality is that she could have changed her mind in a snap of a finger and she could have been at the abortion clinic. As soon as we scheduled our first ultrasound, we insisted that he w should come with. I was so scared walking into that appointment, 
but I had both my parents there with me and even though my dad didn't totally approve, he still wanted the best for me. And so as soon as they put the monitor on my belly and we saw that baby move, all three of us were in tears. And that was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry, was the moment that he saw his grandchild. And from that moment on, we, he changed and he knew that this baby was ours and wanted me to go through with my idea of wanting to keep her. The day I had Piper, it was so surreal. I still couldn't believe that I was having a baby. I don't even know what, where I would be if I didn't go into option one. Before then, I was young, naive, and going down the path that I shouldn't have been going down because I became pregnant. I did a whole 360 on my life. I changed everything around and I grew up. If I didn't have Laura or the other ladies there, I would have been completely in the dark with how to go about it. So that's Haley's story, and 45% of our Christmas Eve offering will go to uh, form a place like Option One here in Watertown. We actually have three people from Cornerstone Church on the steering committee that's making that happen, and uh, a place where a young woman with an unexpected pregnancy can go, have all their questions answered honestly, where life is valued, and where they'll find the love of Jesus showing up for them at a really difficult time for them. Then 45% goes to humanitarian relief to people in war-torn Ukraine. And this is a great way to do this. We're bypassing all governmental involvement. And uh, it goes from our church uh, through a good friend in Sioux Falls, Rick Post, uh, to churches he knows personally in Ukraine. And so when people are showing up at churches local in their communities in Ukraine, they need food, they need clothing. It's the only place that's warm in town because churches sometimes have generators where they can actually run their furnace. We get to be a part of that. And uh, if you want to get a little sense for what life's like in Ukraine, aside from watching the news... Just go all daily and get the weather for, work forecast for Kiev, Ukraine, and see what the weather is, using the 20s and 30s, uh, and think about how it would be for you with no electricity for 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, 72 hours. They need our help, so we're glad to be able to do that. And then we just keep 10% back to help people in our own community. So it, it's giving money, but think about it this way. It's shining light. It's shining light where it's really, really needed. I want to leave you with a prayer today. Um, I'll just say it first. We'll pray it together, and I'll give some instruction. Father God, we renounce the lie that you don't care about us. We affirm the truth that in your Son, Jesus Christ, you proved your love for us by showing up in our world. Thank you for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Amen. Uh, we'll pray it together in just a moment. Uh, pick up a program on the way out on the offering box, and just use this prayer daily to make sure you get out of your mind this idea that God doesn't care. He showed up. And he'll get you ready for a great Christmas. Let's just stand. This worship team, come on up and get settled. Let's stand and we'll, we'll pray together. Pray with me. Father God, we renounce the lie that you don't care about us. We affirm the truth that in your Son, Jesus Christ, 
You proved your love for us by showing up in our world. Thank you for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Amen.